Church Dads Podcast. Join Mark Hawes and Curtis Keddy as they discuss faith, family, liturgy, current events, and fatherhood. Be a part of the discussion by emailing churchdadspodcast at gmail.com. Now, here are the dads. Hello, hello. Welcome to Church Dads and happy April. Uh, and it's the 10th episode. Curtis, we've reached double digit episodes. It's a miracle I never thought I'd see. Hello. And something exciting for our own archives is that all of our episodes are now available on iTunes. That's so right. you can go all the way back to the beginning when we sounded like children. No, just <laughs> when 10 it months was ago. Just our moms listening. And now it's moms and wives <laughs> who are tuning in. <laughs> That's right. Good. Yes. And of course, if you want to interact with us, you can email us at churchdadspodcast at gmail.com. Today we're talking about routines. Routines exist in many forms. And we as dads of young children, and some of you other parents can probably relate to this, you know how significant the routine is. The wait, routine. Wait, we're talking about routine? I thought we were talking about poutine, Mark. <laughs> I have to put these notes. I have to get new notes. I was all ready to talk for an hour about poutine. <clears throat> yes, oh. well, you go ahead. You know, no. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So routines. But before we get to routines, you know, we try not to talk too much before we get up to these shows because we think it's kind of interesting if we got any daddy stories. And so uh, last episode, Curtis, you were telling us a great um, development between you and your son and Star right. Wars. We had and just so watched I, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? What, sure. Are we, are we progressing in the world of Star Wars at all? We, we, have, we have greatly progressed. Back since our last episode, um, we have now watched episode episode two, episode three, episode six, and episode seven. So all we have to watch now is um, the Last Jedi, the most recent Star Wars movie. So William, yeah, <laughs> that's another episode. So William is uh, very into Star Wars right now, and we went and found some cheap lightsabers but they're awesome because they happen to be luke's return of the jedi green lightsaber and darth vader's red lightsaber like classic lightsabers and they're just the cheap plastic ones that you know come out and now every day when i come home the first thing william wants to do is go outside and do a lightsaber battle and he always has to be the green lightsaber, and I'm the evil Darth Vader. And he'll climb up on our, the little plastic slide we have in our backyard and, like, leap off the slide with the lightsaber, like, above his head. And um, uh, eventually I will let him beat me, and he proceeds to sever all of my limbs, even though I'm yelling, you know, that's not the Jedi way, <laughs> you know. <laughs> let me stand trial. Don't turn to the dark side. Um and we also do force lightning at each other, and it's awesome. I'm, like, living the dream now. I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. No more Dora the Explorer. <laughs> now we're fighting to the death in the backyard with lightsabers. It's And, and of course, the whole time I'm singing, you know, 
and he's doing all the sounds. See, that's what I've done. The next level. See, when when we pretend in our house, I put on the music. So one of our big pretending things is Lord of the Rings. Julian, he knows Lord of the Rings. He knows all the characters. He knows all of the parts of Middle Earth. So as we we reenact, say, the first movie, Fellowship, we'll go around and he'll always be Aragorn. And I'm usually like Gandalf because I'm super tall. And so we go around and I'm like, oh, we're going through the mines of Moria. And I just pop it on Alexa or my phone or whatever. And uh, he's totally into it. Sometimes I'll play the track and I'll be like, now, where are we? He'll be like, oh, "Mm, good. Rivendell. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm really sad, though, Mark, that, that that's his first exposure is the Peter Jackson films. I'm I'm pretty bummed about that. Well, I mean, actually, his first exposure was I there are no dumbed down child versions of Lord of the Rings. And it's a very heavy book to read. It's very dense, right? It's not really fr- the Hobbit, maybe, but Lord of the Rings is pretty wordy, right? <laughs> So I yeah. made a kind of a dumbed down children's version on my computer and printed it out. And it's like children's. Really? Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, um, imagine, imagine all three stories packed into 20 pages, but <laughs> I think they tried to do that initially when they wrote the original screenplay. Like, can we make this one? I think people need to see your, your version. Yeah. And I used sounds... all, I used all Alan Lee paintings. Did they go through the paths of the dead in your version? No. Oh. Well, I can, I can only fit in so much. See, that was a challenge to me. I had to like figure out a way to make one of those five-minute read edition books. Of <laughs> anyway. So, like, how would you do that? Because I mean, at a certain point, there's so much story going on in so many different areas. Like, there's the Frodo Sam piece. There's like the the Mary Rohan piece, there's the Pippin Gondor piece. Like, how do you put all that in 20 pages? Yeah, you really can't. It's not a very good book. It's <laughs> it was for at the time it was for a three or four year old. So you got to think. I'm just trying to get his mind into the world. His um his other big exposure was the Lego game edition, which I don't like these Lego games because they just seem like a chore to me. I got to solve these puzzles all the time and. If you're familiar with these Lego games, I've never you know, played they got, a Lego game. They got Lego Star Wars. They got Lego Harry Potter. They got, well, Lego Lord of the Rings. You can you can free world roam the entire world of Middle Earth, and so and they got the rights to Howard Shore's music. So it's changing the music as you go through these worlds. You got to go around and collect things. Okay. So I was loving that, and so but he's you're, be- you're made of Lego though. I know. Well, it's for kids. Folks. <laughs> I know, but oh, give kids some, but something to behold. We, we talked about this last episode. Mm-hmm. Wait, isn't it ironic though? Legos were 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 originally created so that children could like, you know, have that spatial recognition and be able to put things together and engage them as like little engineers. And now we've just made Legos into video games too, <laughs> like where they're just, you know. They're not building anything anymore. They're just running around in a weird blocky world. I think that's kind of no, I don't like sad. those games at all. I don't like them. The only one I like is the one they made for Lord of the Rings. I think it's awesome. Now, here's a question. Let's let's transition to Legos for a minute. Mm-hmm. Were you the type of kid that mixed up all of his Legos and built whatever you wanted? Or were you the type of kid that followed the instructions and built the thing 
that the box told you to build? I would build what the box came with if it came with boxes. But I think my first exposure to Legos was my parents, I think, just got a big Lego box and you could you could make whatever you want. Now, uh -huh. later, later, I got the little boxes where you made a certain car or something. But... Like a castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ship. But, yeah, but I would say I'm the former. I would just create. Okay, I'm definitely the latter. Like, I would lay out all the pieces. Like, Color-coded. to their type. <laughs> according to their type. It was, like, it was like building Ikea furniture. And then I would, like, put together the thing. And that's what it was going to always be. I was never going to take apart that castle and build something new. Here was my Lego castle. Don't touch it. Don't play with it. You know? So you should don't get even, those. Don't even look at it. You yeah. could get those adult Lego kits where you're like building a skyscraper or like Washington yeah. DC or something. And it's like for adults. See, I love the Lego building more than like the model kits. Cause I also had like model USS enterprise and I would get so angry because I'm trying to like glue these pieces together and like paint. And if something broke, then it's you know, the whole thing. I want to throw the whole thing out, but Legos is very simple. It's like, okay, just attach these pieces together. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, that was very soothing to me where the models, they, that was like an occasion of sin because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill everyone, mm -hmm. but I guess that's just how I am. That's how I'm built. Too much margin for error. Whereas the Legos, you're good to go. You just follow the instructions. I love following instructions. There's like a Zen art to it. The Zen of Lego making. <laughs> I was the Relaxing. kid. And I'm still the kid in my house. I'm that guy who, if we're going to play a game, like a board game, like I want everyone to oh, stop boy. and let's read through the rules first. <laughs> let's read the instructions. Everybody listen. I'm reading the instructions. And you could just sense all the fun draining out of the room. Just, But I can't help myself. I want to. Let's do this right. Let's play this game right. And, so, um, and friends, you are Ross. Yes, in that I admit, in that area, I admit life. it. In in several areas, I feel like I am constantly Ross, and uh, either Ross or <laughs> or in our office environment, if uh, we start talking about liturgy or things like that, I quickly become Dwight Schrute, <laughs> you know, from the office. No, false <laughs> question. Yeah, <laughs> who came up with the liturgy? Question. Anyway, so. Speaking uh, of the yeah. church, uh, we're going to segue to that soon. We're, we're working there slowly. We're getting from we're getting Star Wars there. to Legos to... Okay, now, we're talking about routines today, and routine is such a human thing that it's hard to avoid. Um, Absolutely. And eventually we're going to wind our way to a God door here and what routines are <laughs> by way of, you know, church, prayer, perhaps, routines. But again, we, uh, as two dads of young kids, we know the routine and how present it is every moment of the day. It's a Especially survival when, mechanism. I mean, yeah. we have to have a routine. And mm -hmm. the kids have to have a routine, too. Like, they need to know what to expect. Some people have really strict routines. Some people, I think their routines with their kids are looser. But for us, we're pretty strict. Like, we have, like, an order, if not time attached to it like we always do this at 8 30 if we don't do it by time we at least have an order of events like that always takes place in the Keddie house like every single day it's survival yep yeah 
So any specific routine, like the morning, even the morning, our morning, at least a weekday morning. Okay. You know, I wake up the kids at 6.15. You, wait, wait a second. You wake up the kids? Okay. Keep in mind, the kids go to school. They go to preschool with their you mom. You have to wake up the kids. I have to wake up the kids at 6.15. My it's very, kids woke it's a me up it's a struggle, this morning. Actually. My kids woke me up this morning at 6.30. <laughs> So I can't imagine, oh, we need to wake up earlier than that. No. Yeah. No, it's hard to get them up, too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, anyway. sin again. <laughs> 6.15, I wake up, uh, the oldest two, anyway, because they go to preschool at Sacred Heart with Renee. She teaches there. So they all get to go together, which makes things easy. But I wake them up at 6.15. I have to <laughs> sing two songs and during the wake-up process. Two very specific Wait, songs. You have a wake-up process? Yes. Let oh me my get gosh. through it. Sorry. If if I if I step on the floorboards wrong and it creaks, suddenly William's running around the living room. He goes from sleep to awake in like two seconds. Okay. Anyway, continue. We have very different experiences in our family. Well, I'm glad we're sharing this. Okay, okay. So I have to sing two very specific songs with um with my guitar. Um, then then we get up. We're finally awake. Uh, we get dressed, maybe have a little something to eat because sometimes they'll eat in the car on the way, brush our teeth, and they are in the car leaving the driveway at 7.05 a.m., 7.05. I, mean, I respect that. I respect that. And we're pretty, we got it down pretty well. Okay, so we'll start with morning. Okay, Mr. Keddy, what time do your kids wake you up and sing you songs in the morning? Go. <laughs> songs, interesting. <laughs> Um, let's see, they come into our bed, um, around six 30 in the morning. Both of them are there because both William and Caleb sleep in the same room on bunk beds. And then Ella, she wakes up a little bit later. She's in her own little room. So they come in about six 30, um, and they start whispering in her ear. I want to go out with you. I want to go out with you. And I get flashbacks to like high school and it's, it's hard to say no. <laughs> Because I feel guilty because I got said no to so many times. Anyway, I want to go out with you. I want to go out with you. So eventually we stumble out into the living room. They immediately put on a CD to start dancing to or whatever. Um, we make them their Cheerios. And I can't really go into so much detail about the routine because it's so insane. Like Caleb needs to step on a stepping stool. He needs to activate the microwave to microwave our frozen blueberries that are going to go on his cereal. He needs to eat one frozen one and then one fresh out of the microwave. Like it's insane how detailed it gets. But after they eat their Cheerios, um, then normally we'll have morning prayer as a family. We do the short, you know, we say our father together. We say what we're thankful for um, to God for we ask for help for something and then you know we say I belong to Jesus which is our code for in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit we say you know say I belong to Jesus and that's what we do and then Amy has them doing morning chores after that so they step on like Caleb steps on the kitchen counter and puts away bowls from the dishwasher William takes all the silverware and puts that away and Ella's now starting to hand things from the dishwasher to Amy. So it's like an unloading of the dishwasher and then they go into their bedrooms and make their beds and then they have school with Amy because Amy does school with them. Um, so that's our that's our morning routine. But it starts very early whether we want, want it to start or not. And um, there is no process of waking them up. 
it is the, the process, process of waking dad up it sounds like yeah and we're lucky if we get through that whole thing without like three timeouts somewhere along the way because <laughs> they'll be screaming or one kid will try to grab something from another kid and it's insane and if morning prayer sounds like a nice experience over the radio it's very different in person it's chaos but we persist and now it's gotten to the point where the kids um, are like, we didn't do morning prayer. When are we going to do morning prayer? Um, they never do that with the chores, interestingly. They're not like, when When are we going to do our chores? But they do miss the prayer. So that's our morning. Good. All right. So that's morning. Fast forward. End of the day. We approach the evening. I'll start. <laughs> okay. okay. So it's about 6.30, 7 o'clock. We wow. start start the pajamas we we grab this everybody gets a snack and it's usually a fairly non-messy snack because they'll sit and they'll watch an evening show of their choosing and then you know brush teeth and then we go to the bedroom for everybody gets once everybody i mean our two oldest so i'm dealing with two kids here renee deals with baby so the two oldest, each one gets one story, each one gets one song, and then off to sleepy land. That's around eight. Is that it? Um, they just—that's it. They just—they just shut their eyes and go to sleep. Uh, well, until you have to wake them up like, the next morning. Like, like you said, sometimes there's timeouts involved. Maybe everyone doesn't get. A story in a song that night. Did you, did you skip the part where you slip them a sedative? Because I'm just trying to figure out how this works. <laughs> uh, for right. the most, well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on it too much. For the most part, they'll go to bed pretty well. And what, when they, they're now in the same room together, they're two oldest. Yeah. And once that started, initially it wasn't so easy, but at this point, yeah. they love sleeping together and it, it's like a comfort to them to know the other one's there. So they'll, they won't chat too much. Sometimes they will, but. Sunday night's always the worst. Sunday night's the worst because it's been all weekend and they've been a little more, um, they're awake. The weeknights, <laughs> the weeknights, it's like clockwork. They'll go to bed, no problem. They've been running around preschool all day. They are done. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, our routine's pretty much the same as that. Like, we eat dinner. There's, you know, like fun and games time. Like, we dance. We do a lot of dancing to music. Um, dancing being mostly me laying on the floor and them jumping over me and on me. So like when I get home, it's like they want to play with daddy. And by play with daddy, that's like daddy's our biggest toy. And we want to play with that toy. We want to play with him, not play alongside me, play with me. Um, and so at a certain point, you know, we try to, I mean, Amy really, like Caleb, our middle one, really only ever wants Amy to put him to bed. And they go to bed together, William and Amy. And Ella's still at the age where she's nursing. So um, Amy takes care of all the bedtime routines. So like when Ella's going down to bed, I'm out with the boys. We're doing a book or something. Then when it's the boys' turn, they always do their story. Like Amy will tell them a story. Then they'll have a prayer. And then they'll have a song. And they each have their own song. So Amy will sing a song for one and then sing a song for the other. Uh, a recent song that William really likes is Stay Awake from Mary Poppins. You know, stay awake, don't nod yeah. your head. And William will actually act it out as she's singing. 
So he'll like begin to nod his head and then he'll shut his eyes and mm-hmm. he he needs to be asleep by the end of that song. If he feels like he's still awake, all hell will break loose in the house. Like he'll need the song sung again until he feels like he's falling asleep. Like he needs to be asleep at the end of the song. So he goes to sleep really easy. Caleb will stay awake until about 9.30. We're putting them down at like 7.30. Caleb will stay awake in his room till about 9.30. He doesn't come out, but he stays awake. So William doesn't wake up though. So that's our routine. And and about eight o'clock is when Amy and I look at each other and we finally get to spend time with each other. <laughs> and so we long for... We love the routine because we know that at about eight o'clock we'll get to we'll get to hang out with each other and talk and do whatever. So yeah, that, I mean that's the family survival system. Like you have to have a routine because you need to know what's next, because kids demand that activity. They need to know what's coming, and so within the routine, we really try to build like um, opportunities for formation. Like what are we, like what is important to us, and what are the kinds of things that we're teaching the kids, and you know what do they need to know? We're basically trying to build responsible adults that won't end up just living in our basement until they're in their late twenties. Like we're trying to give them the skills that they need. Like you need to do these things, you need to like you know do things for yourself, you need to contribute, and so that's really tough. It's like a battle every day, but it's also, you know, it's a great system because when something goes wrong you know, when there's like behavior issue or some crisis, the routine helps us to get back on track. You know, it helps us to, to correct the situation where if we were just floating in a vacuum, we'd be in big trouble. And I know that I've talked to all parents everywhere and all parents have a routine that they, they abide by, whether it's strict or not strict, they have a routine, you know, the kids need to eat at a certain time. They need to rest at a certain time. So I love it. It's a survival tool for families, but it's a survival tool for individuals and for we as Christians on the journey. So when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about that. Routines of ourselves, maybe of our prayer life, routines within the church, routines, routines, routines. And as we do on this show, we'll routinely, routinely take a break. See you in a moment. Join the show discussion. Email the dads at churchdadspodcast at gmail.com. Follow the dads at facebook.com slash churchdadspodcast. Be a part of a revolution to empower the Christian family. This is the Church Dads Podcast. Welcome back to Church Dads. We've been talking about routines. We've been talking about family routines as little kids, but I thought we'd get to routines as adults and maybe just individual routines or routines that exist within the church or prayer routines. And, you know, routine, it's a, it's a, originates as a French word. Ooh, you have some etymology for me? Easy, easy. I love comes it. From, comes from the French root or route. So it's sort of a, oh. uh, it's a road, it's a pathway. I love it. And, and so in this context, um, speaking as Christians, I think we can think of a routine as a, as a pathway to sainthood, as, as a road 
to okay. the beatific vision. Because if we stick to this road, you know, if we stick to this pathway, this route, this routine, it will lead us, it will lead us to the glory of God. That's very interesting. And of course, Christianity originally was called the way, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, followers of the way. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the road, the truth and the life. You know, he, that's really a fascinating etymology. Thank you. Yeah, for that, it's Mark. kind of a it's kind of a, the opposite of what we talked about in a previous episode, that um, a scandal you mentioned was like a stumbling block, a roadblock. Right. Like right. Trip, like, you, like you're tripping on this road. That you've uh -huh. lost lost the way up from this path. That's right. So keeping and a good routine in our lives, I think, steers us clear of these scandals or these 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 roadblocks. And that's great because, of course, Jesus himself refers to the narrow road, and the broad right. road. Right? There's the broad and easy path, and then there's the narrow, more difficult path um, that we are called to follow. So all of this stuff is is awesome. And you know, poutine is also a French word. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't exactly know what it means, but it has something to do with gravy, cheese, curds, and French fries. Um, okay. But I live, I used to live by a very strict routine of my own that was just a comfort to me. And I think every one of us has a routine. Like every one of us has some sort of a pattern that we live our life in. It, it could be as simple as we eat three meals a day um, and we go to sleep at night. You know, it could be I watch this TV show once a week um, or whatever, or I always hang out with my friends on this week. We have poker night or whatever. Like we all, all of us have a routine by which we measure our life. You know, even if we didn't have like a weekly routine, we have that those seasonal routines throughout the year. We have uh, national holidays and things like that where we're living out this rhythm of life. Uh, the church has a, a word for it that's not routine, but it's actually a rule. So you live by a rule of life, like Benedict's rule, for example. The Benedictines have a, a strict routine based off of the rule of St. Benedict. And rule comes from Latin regula, where we get like regular, um, meaning rhythm regular we live by this rhythm of life and i think not thinking about faith or prayer or anything all of us would do well to examine what our rhythm of life is because hidden within our habits are rules about what we do and value like how we spend our time and by looking at our habits and how we live that rhythm, we can discover what our true priorities are in our life, what we think is important. And maybe if someone asked us, what are your priorities? We could say one thing, but then you look at your rule of life, the way you live that rhythm, and that might say something totally different. And I can tell you that it's the way you live that reveal your priorities, not your ideal you know, answer that you would give someone. You could say, I really value prayer, I really value family, but then you look at your rule of life and you're like, wow, I watch Netflix 163 hours a week. <laughs> you know? maybe, uh, maybe my priorities are different. And as soon as you identify where you're living your priorities, that's where you can make the change. It's in that rule of life. It, comes, it starts there. So. Yeah, I have to tell you, 
I am such a routine oriented person. Like it's ridiculous. Like I could eat the same thing every day. I could eat the same <laughs> I could see I could eat the same lunch meal every day and then something different, but I could eat the same dinner meal every day. When we first got and married, you like, get it drove, tired? No, it drove Renee crazy because I I eat just to get fed, to be filled. I, I don't really care what it I mean, it's nice to have a good tasting meal, but I just eat because I'm hungry and then I'm not hungry anymore and I just move on. Um wow so routine oriented um i just i don't know why it's just like i like the order i guess the structure in in the routine like it's something i don't have to think about so i don't have to worry about that and i could just focus on stuff that i need to focus on yeah i totally understand that like Like i I could have i could have been a monk i think like lived the monastic life i mean i don't want to just see that i don't want to throw that out there because maybe it it probably would have been horribly difficult but it, it's kind of intrigues me, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> but there is, I mean, I've lived the monastic life. I like, I've, I lived it for a week once. Like I went and lived with and worked with monks. And uh, I was surprised by how exhausting it was. Like to live by such a strict routine where we're praying seven times a day, starting at 3.30 in the morning. Like, and then, you know, you work and then you pray and then you work and then you eat and then you work and then you pray. Like, and it's all delineated for you. Like that was exhausting. And I thought I loved routine, but they live by very strict rule, very strict rhythm. Um, and so like in my life, like I do have a routine that I do depend on. But like I said, that was before I got married and had kids. Kids throw everything out the window. Like, like I said before, they ruin our lives, but for like for the good. And so now my routine has taken a backseat to the routine of the family, like the, what we talked about. Like that was not my bedtime routine, you know, <laughs> like what we just described. That's not how I went. That, that's not how I go to bed. Um, I don't like to dance to music before I head to bed, but that's something that we do as a family. So um, I think that the, the most important thing about that rule, that rhythm of life is just what you were saying before. You have to look at your life and ask yourself that tough question. Is everything, everything that I do, is it either bringing me closer to God or bringing me further away? Is it getting in, is it, is it a distraction? Is it getting in my way or is it drawing me closer? Like you can measure everything in your life that way. And that's, I think, the true meaning of, you know, when St. Paul says, pray constantly in all circumstances, you know, giving thanks in all circumstances, pray constantly. It's this idea that you are constantly in everything that you're doing, um, engaging in this relationship with God, like moving towards him in everything that you do. And that sin is what, what it means when you step off of that path. Actually, I think the, if we're talking etymology, I think the original meaning of sin is to miss the mark, you know, to go off the mark, off that path. So no offense to you as a mark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I, and what you're bringing up is sort of this prayer that we can integrate into domestic life. And there's nobody better who writes and preaches about this than St. Francis de Sales. And he was he had this sort of unique way of 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 speaking of prayer as if it's just part of your everyday life. 
So you can pray while you're doing the dishes, pray while you're folding laundry. Um, and there was there was three steps to his um, to his prayer life suggestions. One being to ask, two to offer, three to accept. So to ask, to offer, and to accept. And so to ask for God's attention in prayer um, really doesn't happen that way. We always have God's attention, but we're really saying we're giving, we're being attentive to God. So that's the ask. And then the offer is um, offer up that moment to God, any moment, like it could be a joyous moment, it could be a very tough suffering moment, but just offering every moment up as sort of like a little sacrifice. And to accept is to saying, okay, and and whatever happens, God, we are receptive to that. We, we are accepting your will. And so ask, offer, and accept. And so he was great about speaking about praying with just whatever you're doing, Praying unceasingly. I think a lot of times we think, well, I, I need my prayer time. What time can I get over to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel and pray in front of the, front of the Blessed Sacrament, which is fantastic. But right. um, how can we kind of integrate prayer into our daily daily routines? For instance, I, I committed back in like August to say the rosary daily. I don't know why it was then. I just wanted to. I just, I thought, I want to challenge myself. I want to do this. Let's see how long it'll last. Maybe for the rest of my life, hopefully. But who knows? And so I never do it as a full rosary or standard rosary um, with, with the five decades all at once. Sometimes, but rarely. The way I do it is I just, I do a decade. And then later in the day, I do another decade. And later in the day, I do another decade until I've done all five decades, and it's not 100% of the time, but you know, 90 plus percent, I'm getting through all five of those decades. And I always remember which mystery I left off on that I was meditating on, and I go to the next one later in the day, or could it be while I'm commuting somewhere, I'll get two of them in. And so it's spacing out through the day, and what it's helped me to do personally is to be focused, and it's like communicating um, with God just becomes very routine and it's, it just becomes very natural. Um, anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's great because I think what we're missing in our life, in our routines are these holy moments, these moments that are set apart from other moments where we take a break from doing these other things. And in, in your case with these, with these prayers, rosary prayers you're saying for the next five minutes like i'm all yours you know i'm all yours god and here's these prayers these intentional prayers and then i really like also that idea from francis de sales of doing the dishes you know that can be a holy moment you know driving to work that can be a holy moment you don't need to go into a church to have a holy moment like you can give every moment over to god and that's a, a very Dominican um, spirituality thing too. That you know your your prayer is your work, is your studying, is your reading. Like every time that we are the best version of ourselves, where we're offering ourselves up as like the best for God, all of the, all of the fruits of our work, that is in in and of itself a type of prayer. Saint Therese of Lisieux said. Prayer is a glance upwards, you know? It's just like 
it's like a loving child looking at their parent, just, you know, man, I love you. And like that in and of itself is a prayer. Sometimes like, we get so wrapped up in our own heads about what prayer is or, or what we should be doing that if we just see everything through that lens, your whole routine can be baptized. You know, your whole routine can be a life of holiness. You don't need to be a monk to live a rule of holiness, that rhythm of holiness. You can be right there in the messiness of everyday family life and be being made holy by it all because you're constantly doing what you're saying that ask, offer and accept, you know, like Christ is there right there with you. Um, one thing I ask the families I work with, um, who are, you know, doing formation with their kids. Well, number one, every single one of us is being formed in some way. Like, yeah, we might not be being formed like by the church, but we are being formed by something, you know, something outside of us is forming us. And the routine, looking at your daily habits, that's how you find out what it is. What is forming you? What are you reading? What are you watching? What music are you listening to? Where are your priorities? What do you get excited about? What do you do every day? What don't you do? Like looking at your at your life will tell you what's forming you. But when it comes to Christian formation, a good question to ask, and Christian formation is just being formed into the image of Christ. Like you are being made to be like Christ, a son and daughter in the son. God is your father. A good question to ask is if somebody was to join your family for a day and just be with your family for a whole day, where would they encounter Christ? Would they encounter Christ if they did a ride along with your family for an entire day? Somewhere in your routine, would they encounter Christ? It's a good question to ask uh, because the way you live as a family should be in and of itself evangelization. Because if we're, if we, if this is all true, I mean, if this is all true, this Christianity stuff, if we've been baptized, born again, if we're temples of the Holy Spirit, if we've been redeemed and given grace and the grace built upon nature and that everything that we do is shining a light into the darkness of the world as we walk this narrow path towards glory, following Christ our head, the author and perfecter of our faith, if we're doing that, then everything should be different. It should We should be totally different. And people who be with us should encounter Christ. We just did the second scrutiny recently for the RCIA. That's for those preparing for baptism in the rite of Christian initiation of adults. We have these ancient rites leading up to Easter called scrutinies, where they open up their hearts to be scrutinized by the Holy Spirit, who points out all of their sin and weakness, and then it infuses them with strength as they finish this journey towards the sacraments. And for the second scrutiny, we always have the same gospel reading, which is the man born blind in the Gospel of John. And there's this really powerful moment where the man who has walked for more than an hour to get to the pool of Siloam to wash the mud off of the, his eyes, you know, he walks back. Now he, he can see and he goes back to where he was begging. And the people who saw him say, hey, isn't that that beggar guy? And they go up to him and they demand an explanation. They're like, what happened to you? How, how is it that you're able to see? They don't leave him alone. They demand it. And it's a good question for us to ask. 
Do people demand an explanation for how we live? Do they want to know what what is going on with us? Like, why do we live the way we do as a family? There should be something that we do that is so insane in the eyes of the world that they just don't get it. Why are you doing it like that? And that's those moments where you encounter Christ. So that's something that we all need to discern and look at our routines and habits and say, is Christ in here somewhere? And if he isn't, where can I put him in? Like, how can I like change my habits so that people could encounter Christ in my life. That's great. That's like the old adage. Um, if you were convicted of being a Christian, would you be found guilty? <laughs> similar, similar idea. That's right. I was like going back to the first centuries of the church with that uh, rite of Christian initiation, what they would do at these scrutinies as they were get closer, you know, they would bring in all of the poor and like the homeless and the downtrodden in, in that that area. They would bring them into the church and they would bring that that catechumen or the elect, the one who's praying for baptism. They place them right there in the front and they would ask these poor, what's this person's name? Wow. Do, do you know them? Like that was one of the tests. It's like, do you know this person? Are they truly striving to live a life modeled after after Christ. Because if they were, you would know this person by name. Wow. What a test. What Can you imagine test. that bulletin insert? Are you poor? We need <laughs> you for one of our scrutiny rituals. Well, that's the beauty in the ancient church. I mean, the poor were always there. You know, that, that, that was one of, that was the place that they would go to be cared for. And still are, by the way. You know, the church is the number one, the Catholic church, the number one organization out there that, that takes care of, of the people who need it. So Absolutely. proud to be Catholic, for sure. That's right. Good. And speaking of the church, you know, the church sets us up with help, especially in the area of routine. You know, one of my favorite routines I've heard about is from the early church, the church bells. Okay. And the church bells would ring and everybody out there in the farms and working would stop to pray, right? They'd like pray the Angelus. Um, yeah. or the Our Father or something at, at noon and then maybe at three o'clock and these things. And so right. and even beyond that, we've got the Liturgy of the Hours, Yes, which is a series of um, prayers. It's essentially um, a series of psalms and that will be recited through the day. And, you know, it happens all through the day. You just mentioned it with monastic life. I'm guessing that's that's, right. that's, that's, that's the those seven went. hours. That's the seven hours. Yep. That's right. So morning prayer, mid-morning, midday, afternoon, evening prayer, and night prayer. What are you left with, like five hours to sleep or something? Yeah. Well, that's it. In the monastic life, they don't see prayer as interrupting their work like we do. They see work interrupting their prayer. It's the other way around. Here's their life of prayer, and then they stop the prayer to do their work, which is another kind of prayer. But that's like how incredible that lifestyle is, this idea mm -hmm. of prayer being the number one the number one thing that they do. But you, the, you, this is the beauty of our faith. You know, that Christianity is this material faith, like, you know, that uses material things to affect grace. You know, we have the sacraments, but, and Christ actually becomes flesh, like the word becomes flesh for us. But even our times, our rhythms, the seasons of life, they too become occasions of grace. So like in the church, you know, noon is this a, a powerful moment, like 
noon when you, you mentioned the Angelus, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. There's this, we reflect on the Annunciation at noon when the sun is at its height, you know, when the light is at its greatest. We reflect on this moment when he, when the incarnation took place. And then at three o'clock, we think of three o'clock as the hour of mercy. That's when Christ died on the cross. So three o'clock becomes this holy hour every single day where we reflect on the mercy of God. Fridays, every Friday of the year, we're called to, to do some act of penance to remember that Jesus, the creator of the entire universe, died on a Friday, on a Friday, not a Thursday, but on a Friday, like time itself becomes this beautiful way that we receive these graces. And uh, then, you know, the seasons in the liturgical year, the liturgical seasons. But I just love our faith so much. I love that time itself is in God's hands. It is, it is a creature like we are. Time is a creature. And that it, too, has become baptized and used to give us these moments of grace. Love it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up time. You know, I tell I told my I tell my youth ministry kids as they're trying they they want to get into prayer but they they struggle with it in the middle of the day. I say set your cell phone yes. to, to to alarm at three. Just buzz on silent or whatever, and it tells you to pray. And that could be anything. That could be in our Father. That could just be glory to God in the highest. That could be a look up to heaven, as the little yes. little flower would tell us. But to buzz at three o'clock, and even even Jesus is. Um, beginning to preach, and John the Baptist points to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God. And so there's two followers with John the Baptist, you know, and so Jesus looks at them. They seem interested in him, and he says, What are you looking for? And they <laughs> say, Teacher, where do you live? And he says, Come and see. And he takes them back where he's living, at least at the time, and they want to, stay, they want to see where he's staying, and um, John writes, you know, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And mm. something significant happened, at least for him, to want to write down four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. Um, Nothing's insignificant in John's gospel. <laughs> that's right. So you go and you spend your holy hour. Maybe it's at three o'clock. Maybe something significant would happen um, at four. So I think we should all stick with our, our, our path, this routine, this, this pathway to God, and look for our four o'clock moments because it could be any day mm. beautiful good so this is the church dads podcast we have a guest we have a guest who has a um who i think will be good about speaking routine so when we come back okay. we will have our lovely guest joining us you're listening to the church dads podcast like what you hear have a question concerning family fatherhood or faith email the dads at churchdadspodcast at gmail.com be a part of the discussion as we seek to strengthen our christian witness in the home this is the church dads podcast Okay, welcome back to Church Dads. We have a special guest, a friend of mine. He is the campus minister for two schools, uh, the University of Charleston here in West Virginia and West Virginia State here in West Virginia. So uh, welcome, Nick. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. 
And uh, I first heard of you through an article on the Word on Fire website, which uh, Word on Fire is an apostolate of now Bishop Robert Barron. At the time, I think it might have been Father Barron. And um, and you were you were just somewhat converted through um, through content created by Word on Fire, right? Accurate, yeah. Um, so I had been uh, going to Marshall's Marshall University's uh, uh, campus ministry center for uh, roughly two years uh, as an agnostic. Actually, I was raised uh, non-religiously. Uh, so I'd been going there for a couple of years and I got to know the people and I became a part of the community there. And I finally, uh, thought to myself, um, you know, these people, they, they have something and, uh, something I don't have, I'd like to know more about it. And so, uh, through, uh, a, an interesting series of events, uh, I came to know a Polish family in rural Ohio, uh, who <laughs> actually, uh, lent me the the Catholicism series, which was really uh, the first major project of uh, the War on Fire ministry and, and Bishop Barron's work. And so uh, I, I watched all 10 parts of this video series. Mm. They're each about 50 minutes. Um, and, you know, Christianity uh, was presented to me in this really uh, beautiful uh, historical unique way uh, that sort of got the, the wheels turning uh, in my mind a bit. And uh, that sort of set me down uh, the path uh, remarkably to where I am now. Fantastic. Awesome. And yeah. you, I love, you, you have a more elaborate story about this, which I love it. You, you, you've talked with me about how it's sort of a, it was a very innocent approach. Like you didn't have a dog in the fight. You didn't come from any yeah. particular denomination. You weren't even really against like religious people. Um, mm -hmm. You just never really seemed to get. So when Bishop Barron would suggest, you know, pray and you'd be like, okay, <laughs> all right, let's try to pray. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, growing up, growing up in a, you know, spiritual uh, household, uh, you know, their mom and dad, uh, they're open to all kinds of things, uh, but uh, I was never given any directive, any direction. Uh, so, you know, yeah, when 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 Bishop Barron is like, hey, you know, uh, uh, here's the Our Father, uh, pray this, uh, you know, when you wake up, pray this before you go to bed, you know, uh, think about God, right? Be reflective of your decisions. Uh, think of all the things you should be thankful for. These were uh, rudimentary uh, building blocks uh, that I had never really dived into, d dove into or experienced. And so, yeah, for the very first time ever, I am actually beginning to participate in all of these things. And just very naturally, I am, I am noticing this gradual diametric shift just in my being and who I am as a person. And mm -hmm. so, uh, that is, uh, just uh, honestly, that kind of work uh, has always still to this day inspires me because there are so many people who haven't even been presented the basic building blocks of a faith life. And uh, without those, you know, we can't even begin uh, to dive deeper. And so that's honestly like a big part of what I do now in campus ministry. So well. you're, you're coming from an agnostic background. I mean, uh -huh. and from that, that home, you, 
where it was spiritual. And for those listening who can't see, he did use quotation mark fingers (laughs) for for spiritual. So that sort of spiritual but not religious background. I'm really curious as to what you found like particularly compelling about Catholicism. Like why, why this? There's so many choices out there when you have a blank slate, you know, why would you, why would you go here? Uh, so for sure, uh, it's worth noting just the stark contrast between Catholicism and what I came to understand Christianity to be growing up in rural West Virginia, uh, where most of the churches are Southern Baptist. And so my growing up, my exposure was, uh, you know, this just like the cliche fire and brimstone, uh, people coming up and asking if you've been saved, knocking on the door, you know, just sure. uh, just this is your monthly reminder, just let you know you're going to hell, uh, but we're smiling <laughs> while we tell you about it. Just really bizarre, uh, you know, uh, this obsession with uh, cavemen riding dinosaurs. That was all my perception <laughs> of Christianity. And so uh, the the appeal for me of Catholicism, uh, especially through somebody like a Bishop Barron, was uh, how intellectual uh, it is mm. and how much deep thinking is involved. Mm. And the fact that, um, you know, we've been asking these questions for thousands of years. There's thousands of years worth of doctors of the church and uh, all of these theologians and the fact that theology exists. Um, yeah. Those were those were all of the things that brought me in. And, uh, you know, if we're looking at it now through this Catholic lens backwards, uh, you know, if we're thinking of the transcendentals, the true, the good and the beautiful, I would say true, the, the beautiful uh, of that series uh, definitely captivated me, but very much just the truth, uh, the truth of the church articulated in a very intelligent way. Um, mm-hmm. That was very appealing to me as well. I love that faith and reason don't necessarily um, uh, find themselves enemies. And and that's also I had a similar kind of growing up where it was like there's this anti-intellectualism almost in certain mm. Christian denominations. It's like, don't get too intellectual because just have faith. Like it was a different thing. But yeah, right. Catholicism, historical Christianity really marries those two things together. So awesome. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It and is, Nick, it you, is. Nick, you're like a you're like a, a student of history. You're, you're a fan of history. You love mm-hmm. history, right? And so it's a matter of time, as you're choosing um, a faith. It's a matter of time going back in history before you run into very Catholic things. Oh yeah, yeah. isn't yeah, that what us soon to be Saint John Henry Newman? Isn't that his favorite um, famous phrase that to be steeped in history is to cease being Protestant? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that's his yeah. whole. That's his whole story, right? That's right. Uh, leaving the Anglican Church and uh, becoming Catholic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and you, you guess what? If you follow Bishop Barron, you're going to learn a lot about uh, soon to be St. John Henry Newman, too. So That's right. also a, an amazing figure in the church. Fantastic. So we're talking about routines today. Um, and, you know, we went on into all kinds of different routines, Nick. But you were talking to me one day and you were telling me, you know, you, you were inviting me. I had to sheepishly, sheepishly decline. But you were inviting me into this program called um, Exodus 90. Exodus yes. 90. Exodus oh. 90. It reminded me of like P90X or something. So like it's it's definitely kind of not, that's definitely it. not chapter 90, obviously, <laughs> as I push up my glasses. 
there are not 90 <laughs> chapters no, in Exodus. No, that would yeah. be wild. So what is what is this Exodus 90? Can you describe it a little bit? Like what? Yeah, uh, Exodus 90 is a spiritual program uh, for uh, Catholic men, but also Christian men too. You don't have to be Catholic. Um, and the whole point is that through this fellowship, uh, this this small group of men, and it, it's a small group that you do this with. Uh, together, you are pushing each other uh, to grow closer uh, with Christ in his church. And you do this essentially through your community, uh, through uh, living a really intentional, prayerful life. Uh, and so there's a daily reflection that comes with the program and you share in that together. Uh, and then, and this is probably the most noteworthy part, at least on the outside of the program, living the aesthetic life. And so essentially, uh, you know, you are getting rid of all of these things, all of these distractions uh, between yourself and uh, Christ. And so there's this like, there's this like comically large list of things that you uh, uh, essentially are giving up. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, the first one is uh, warm showers. Those are not a thing while you're on Exodus 90. And uh, right. that's and probably how, the one. How yeah. many days? How many days? Is uh, it, don't tell me it's 90. 90. There's 90, 90 days. days. 90 yeah, days 90 of days. cold showers. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, a lot of it gets easier. That one, no. That one uh, <laughs> never does. does. <laughs> that one's, you're never just like, just a, like, oh, the cold. I love it. No, that's, uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, cold showers. Um, no snacking, no snacking in between meals. Uh, and you have uh, three square meals a day, unless it's a Wednesday or a Friday. And then you are uh, fasting, which is uh, like the Catholic fast. So you have one one meal and then maybe two smaller food items less than that meal combined. And so there's the, there's the whole dietary element, um, but then there's also removing yourself from the modern technology, right? So uh, no video, which is funny because like, like, we're uh, at least my small group, uh, we're not so legalistic that I couldn't do Skype, <laughs> right? So, uh, but essentially no YouTube, no streaming, unless it's, you know, a work-related sort of thing. Um, so there's no video, no video games or anything like that. Uh, no social networking. Uh, so I've removed myself from like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and I'm, so I'm not present on social media. I haven't really been since uh, we started this uh, at the beginning of the year, essentially. Um, it, it's, it's a bunch of things like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I, I will be very honest and say when I was presented with this back in the fall, just the idea of doing it, uh, my reaction was very visceral. <laughs> uh, somebody said, yeah, you're going to get rid of video and you're going to get rid of this and all this. And uh, I was like angry and I was like, why would I do that? What, uh, why would I do that? That's just ridiculous. Um, you know, cause you know, everyone's doing it. You know, they're, you're all married. You'll have kids or you're busy with your kids. What am I going to do in the evening? And so, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Ah, shucks. Right. Yeah. Feel, uh, yeah. yeah. So that, uh, I reflected on that and I thought, wow. Okay. That was an, that was an interesting reaction to have. Uh, maybe that is proof that I really need <laughs> to do this and to go through this. Uh, because I, again, like like earlier, right, I was never really challenged uh, to pray or, uh, to, you know, to think of my life in that way, uh, nor have I really been 
seriously challenged to live an aesthetic life in this way either. And so uh, with this small group of men, I took it on. And interestingly enough, um, it has really been, I can honestly say, a, a life-changing uh, event. Uh, wow. It, Truly, uh, truly. Um, How many days are you in now? How many days? Woo, I want to say, let me, so we have an app. So let me look at the app. Oh, you failed. You're, you're allowed to look at the uh, app. I say yeah, no. Yes, I'm allowed to look at the 67. We're on day 67. Wow. Oh, wow. This, okay, uh, 23 to go. Yeah, so we have, uh, let's see, it's 90 days. So we have, yeah, 20, 23 days left. Uh, but Great. but here's the thing is the the value of living this lifestyle and, and doing these things uh, is such that uh, it, all of the men in my small group agree. None of us are just going to throw this thing away uh, after mm. day 90. Uh, all of us want to continue on some level uh, these spiritual practices. Uh, and so I can definitely say for me, uh, the dietary parts I want to keep because my small group has decided that on solemnities and Sundays, we can, we can eat sweets and we can uh, have those things. And that's a, one, a beautiful spiritual reminder of uh, what it means to actually celebrate, right, in, in regards to the liturgical calendar. And that just automatically orients yourself, you know, into living into this global Catholic church that we're so blessed to have. So things like that, uh, I definitely will keep moving forward. Fantastic. So it's very um, routine-based, right, you would say? Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. Um, you know, you get up and you uh, enjoy the luxury of having running water in your home. <laughs> it might be freezing running water, but it's running water nonetheless. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a there's a spiritual reading. And so the expectation is that minimally— uh, you're a, an hour in prayer every single day. And so for me, uh, typically I, uh, I like to split that up 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. And so uh, 30 minutes in the morning, I'm uh, in our Exodus uh, reading. I'm reading the reflection. I'm sharing my thoughts on it with the other men in my uh, small group. Um, and then in the evening, I'm either in our readings for the day as a church, um, or I am, uh, you know, being a bit more uh, using my prayer time for petitions, uh, praying for my ministries and my students and the, the diocese that I serve and the people of this community. Um, uh, but the, the, the beautiful thing about it is uh, just just diving wantonly into the massive pool that is prayer, because there's so many, so many ways uh, that, to pray and to encounter the Lord. And uh, all that matters is that you're faithful and you're intentional about it. And in uh, an hour, especially now that I've gotten a little older, uh, an hour is uh, not a lot of time, really. And it's really just enough time. Uh, to center yourself um, and to actually uh, have those uh, moments where you're either in scripture or you are praying for someone um, and it's you can you can just sort of you can just really feel uh, God's presence uh, in this awesome way 
so yeah, so that's that's considerably more routine. Uh, routine, uh, you know, when you asked me to speak about it, I couldn't help but reflect on XS90 and just the impact it's had on me uh, personally, spiritually, physically. Uh, uh, you know, you're expected to exercise on this thing too. You know, uh, uh, that's where we're getting XS90. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a workout program again. And so, yeah, I'm. You know, minimally, I'm out there like trying to walk a few miles. Uh, but yeah, I try to get to the Y um, and uh, make that time. Now, I will say, in regards to the routine, uh, this was so important because what I do for a living is so not routine or hasn't been because you're out. My hours are just all over the place. You know, sometimes you'll have an early morning meeting, sometimes you'll have a program that goes until 11 or midnight or whatever. Uh, and so, uh, this has actually allowed me by having a routine in my personal life to create a routine that works in my ministry as well. So in, in, in every way, it's, it's been a phenomenal, uh, journey. So you yeah. said that it's, uh, that it's been life changing. How would you see your life different when you're complete? Like you said, you're going to bring some of these practices with you. Yeah. But what other ways do you see that your life being different after going through such a rigorous spiritual routine or rule? Yeah, um, I, I think with I think with the rigorous prayer, with the rigorous ascetics, um, I find myself a lot more centered. And by that, I mean uh, I'm I'm less uh, I'm less likely to react to something. I am. I'm like a sponge. I, I, I soak mm. things in a lot more now and I can actually just absorb things and think about them and, and then bring them into prayer and figure out what course to go on. Um, mm. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm considerably more present with uh, the people that I'm interacting with, whether it's students, whether it's faculty or staff, uh, you know, I don't find my attention uh, wandering off. Uh, I'm actually fully present here, engaged, uh, which is, quite frankly, I mean, really the basis for anyone doing ministry like this. And so that's been that has been extremely uh, uh, beneficial as well. Um, and, you know, uh, because I fast so much uh, that that actually I have my body's adapted to that. And so I'm not constantly <laughs> looking towards the next meal or the next snack or you know, something like that. Um, for, for all of those reasons, uh, it's, it's done me a world of good. And, and, and dare I say, I, I think, I, you know, I, I have a bit more empathy too, which is also wholly important. Uh, so yeah, yeah. For, for all of those reasons, it's been Ooh, phenomenal. Fantastic. Nick Chansey is with us. You know, as you're telling the story, it reminds me of the story when Jesus is speaking with the rich man and the rich man says, you know, you know, what do I what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And he says, you know, follow the commandments. He says, okay, but I'm doing that already. You know, what else do I have to do? He says, okay, well, leave everything and yeah. follow, come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. And of course, of course, he can't quite make that leap. But um, you, I mean, this Exodus 90 sounds like quite a leap. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I truly, because it sounds so intimidating. Uh, and that's just speaking as someone who was like angry at just the idea of it. Uh, I I recommend it to 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 everybody who 
is really uh, wanting to live a faithful life uh, and, and live and to live their lives completely for the Lord. I mean, it's it's just a good reorienting back towards uh, and is so necessary. And, and honestly, the things that you're giving up mostly, they're not that crazy. We're, I, I think just living in the age that we do now, uh, you know, when it's like, oh, I've got to give up social media. Oh, I can't have cookies. Oh, I can't, you know, uh, those things, not only can you live without, you will be a much more joyful person without mm. them. Well, we live in such a comfortable world, you know, where we just yeah. instant gratification. And we've spoken about this a couple episodes ago about spiritual warfare and the idea of, you know, resisting that threefold lust of, you know, pride, possessions, pleasure yeah. and like how the 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 way that we resist those is fasting prayer almsgiving you know it's all about mm-hmm. detachment letting go that's so difficult in our comfortable society where we just, just want to be comfortable all the time where suffering is the absolute worst thing on earth and meanwhile yeah. Jesus is like by the way in order to follow me you have to pick up that instrument of torture and death <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's not a that's not an ice cream cone <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. And so this, uh, I knew this topic would be perfect for Lent because that's what we're doing in Lent. We're preparing mm-hmm. to die. We're preparing to to die, in which case we will not have any of these things. We won't have access to any of these things. We'll yeah. just be, hopefully, one with the Lord, seeing him face to face. Amen. So this is Nick Chancy, and this is Church Dads. Nick, thanks for hanging with us, my man. Hey, thanks yeah. for having me, friends. This is a joy. Absolutely. All the best with your ministry. Thank you. Thank Good. So and so this was the 10th episode. You made number 10. So, uh, Woo! wow. Yeah. I wish awesome. it was 90. I wish it was 90. That yeah, would be right. better, but it's okay. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so hey, you know what? I'll, 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 how about this? Uh, I'll be back for episode 90. I'll, okay. Yes. I'll be, we'll I'll hold be you old. to that. I'll be <laughs> yes. We'll hold you to that. So, yep. Tell your friends uh, about us. This is the Church Dads Podcast. Hit us up if you like it. Church Dads Podcast at gmail.com. Mr. Ketty, go home and love your family. Church Dads is a regular podcast hosted by Mark Hawes and Curtis Ketty. Join the discussion by emailing the dads at churchdadspodcast at gmail.com and follow them on Facebook, facebook.com slash church dads podcast want to change the world go home and love your family